Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. I am so thankful that you're listening to the broadcast today, and it is Friday. As I remind you every Friday, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, and I certainly hope that you will be worshiping the Lord somewhere this weekend. Now, listen, there's a church that is just right for you. And so if you don't have a church home, why don't you come and check us out at Hickory Ridge Community Church, and I get to meet one of our listeners who drove from Portsmouth, right, and came to worship with with us last weekend. We've got people that are coming from the uh, Western Branch area and Churchill area, and I appreciate you driving, and I know you got to make a little drive to come. we got people that are coming down from uh, Middle Currituck that come to our church, and people from the Greenbrier area, the Great Bridge area, and uh, listen, I discovered something. If you find a good restaurant, you're willing to drive to it. Uh, if you find a good place to work, you're willing to drive to it. So if you find a good church, if you're willing to make a little drive to go to that church, and now there is a limit to that, right? If you've got to drive a couple hours to go to church, it's going to be kind of hard for you to be involved. But I think that if you're willing to commute 30 minutes, 40 minutes to go to work, uh, then you should be willing to commute 30 to 40 minutes to go to church. And uh, we'd love to have you come worship with us this weekend. We are located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard in Chesapeake, Virginia. 9 o'clock or 10.30, would love to see you. And if you enjoy these broadcasts, we are now available on a free download podcast, buzzsprout.com, and in backslash 1890557, and uh, you can listen to the broadcast anytime that you want. Well, today I want to do kind of a standalone message, and I want to talk to you about some lessons that we can learn from Gideon. Lessons that we can learn from Gideon. And I'm just going to give you a few lessons that I think will be a blessing to you as you prepare for the weekend. There was a book that was written, uh, and it's called Fuzzy Memories. It's written by Jack Handley, and he writes, There used to be a, a, this bully who would demand my lunch money every day. Since I was smaller, I would give in to him. Then I decided I'm going to fight back. I started taking karate lessons. But then the karate lesson guy said to me, I had to start paying him $5 a lesson. So I just went back to paying the bully. You know, too many people feel it's easier just to pay the bully than it is to learn how to defend yourself. And so today I want to talk to you about the power of following some lessons that are given to us by Gideon. Now, let me give you some background into this whole message today. We read the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And uh, in this story, he's called by God, and he's called to lead the people of Israel out of bondage. The Midianites had, was holding the nation of Israel in bondage. But before we get into chapter number six, let's look at chapter number five, okay? Uh, chapter number five, we discover that God raises up a woman by the name of Jael. And uh, Jael, we, know, we don't know a whole lot about her. But we know that God used her in a very mighty way, and uh, her and Deborah, uh, God uses them to kind of work together, and, uh, and it says that she was the wife of Heber the Kenite, the most blessed of tent-dwelling women. And so as the story goes in Judges chapter 5, we discover that uh, uh, there's a person that comes along, an enemy, one of the Midianites, who is a leader of the Midianites, and, uh, and he was from Caesarea. And, uh, and so she recognizes him as an enemy, an arch enemy. Uh, but she is real quiet, and uh, she doesn't uh, show her hand. And it says that he came and asked for some water, and so she gave him some milk. 
in a bowl. Uh, and this bowl was a nice fancy bowl uh, that was fit for nobles. And, and she brought it to him. And uh, with her hand, as he is taking his milk, he begins to get kind of tired, right? And he falls into this really deep sleep. And so it says, with her hand, she reached for a tent peg. Her right hand for the workman's hammer. So she was right-handed. So she took the tent peg with her left hand. And then she took a hammer and she struck Cesara. Uh, she crushed his head. She scattered uh, or shattered and pierced into his temple and uh, drove that right into the ground and killed this guy. And, and unbelievable, right? And, uh, and so we see here some things happening behind the scenes that is preparing for the ministry and what Gideon is going to do. Now, when we think about what has happened to the nation of Israel, they didn't find themselves captured by the, by the Midianites overnight. It was a slow process, right? They began to compromise a little bit there, a little bit here, and uh, kind of like a slow tire, right? And I was driving on the road the other day, and uh, uh, popped up on my, uh, my dashboard was an indication that I had a tire that was low on, on air. And I said, man, this can't be right. I just had my van serviced. And I looked at the tires, and, uh, and uh, they looked great when I left the house. And, and uh, so I got to my destination. I turned the van off. And, uh, and I, when I turned it back on, it reset my computer. And because uh, I had checked all my tires, and they looked fine, right? And, uh, and sure enough, there was just uh, some kind of a computer glitch. And uh, when I started up the car again, uh, it said all my pressures on all four of my tires were fine. But I got thinking about one time that I got stuck in Northern Virginia, uh, where my tire indicator said I had a low tire, but I didn't believe it. And I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, uh, after about 30 minutes of driving, I had a blowout. Now, I had a slow leak in that tire, and as I drove, uh, that slow leak began to get uh, the pressure began to get lower and lower on my tire, and I actually had a blowout. The same is true in our lives. When you think about a blowout, what causes us to have blowouts in our lives? Well, let's look at what happened with the nation of Israel and the lessons that we can learn from Gideon. We learn, first of all, going into Judges chapter 6, we see that the stage has been set in Judges chapter 5. God was removing some of the leaders of, of the enemies, right, the Midianites' leadership was now fractured, and as a result, confusion was going to ensue. But before we get to the the victory, what led them to go into sin? Well, first of all, unrepentant sin leads to slavery. In Judges chapter 6, verse 1, it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian was so oppressive the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain cliffs, in the caves, and in strongholds. We discover that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. For seven years, God says, okay, are you going to be a slave of the Midianites? Their judgment time was now up, but we don't see a change in the Israelites. So God steps in and he says, I'm going to begin to dismantle the power of the Midianites. God is working behind the scenes. When you think about being a slave to sin, none of us, I don't think, intends to be just falling into sin. In Proverbs chapter 5, it says, His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. In other words, we begin to compromise, we fall into sin, and, and then all of a sudden we become captured by the wicked. Uh, We don't really need to worry about outside forces defeating us. 
It's always the sin that was that's within that causes us to be enslaved by sin. As we think about what happens as we go through this this process, uh, many of us are, are driven by fear, and this fear causes us to be enslaved because we don't stand up against sin. But you know, the more we cover our sins, no matter what the reason is, the more we are enslaved by it. The more we confess our sin the more enslaved we become to righteousness. You see, the point is this. Everybody is a slave to something. We're a slave to Christ, and we're set free from our sins. We're a slave to ourselves, and we become captured by our sins. In his book, Break Open the Sky, Steve Bauman writes, Despite our near-phobic fear of failure— The facts suggest that it's actually a common, almost universal experience. You think about people that overcome uh, failure. Uh, You think that they have something different than anybody else. No, the uh, the bottom line is we all have certain struggles, right? Uh, For example, he writes in his book, 75% of venture capital-backed startups fail. 75%. And 95% do not meet the initial expectations. 40% of all CEOs fail, and they don't last 18 months. 70-90% of all mergers and acquisitions fail to add any value to the shareholders. 81% of new hires don't work out. 99% of new patents never earn a dime. 95% of all new products introduced in a given year will fail. 68% of the information technology products fail to meet their goals. 88% of New Year's resolutions end in failure. 100% of all human bodies one day will fail. Listen, we are going to be battling sin our entire life, but we don't have to become a slave of sin. Here's a second lesson. Unconfessed sin leads to bondage. But anyone can be successful, regardless of their status. You may be looking at your life and say, man, there's no way that I'm going to be successful in overcoming sin. You don't know my history. You don't know my family. I was spending a lot of time last night talking with a guy, and he's come from a really bad background. His, his dad is an alcoholic. His mom is an alcoholic. And, uh, and he, he was raised in a very dysfunctional home. And now he's dealing with his parents, and and he's trying to help them, and he's and he feels like he's he's stuck. He feels like he's he's trapped. He feels like he's going to go down that same path that his mom and dad went down. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to go down that path. Let's look at Judges chapter six, verses eleven through sixteen. It says, "When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, "The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior." Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replies, but if the Lord is with us. Why has all of this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's given us into the hand of the Midianites. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have. Go and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Well, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you're going to strike down the Midianites. 
leaving none alive. Now, there's a few takeaways here from this passage of Scripture. Takeaway number one is you better know what God thinks about you. God says to Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. Stop thinking of yourself as a defeated foe. You are a mighty warrior. Stop thinking about yourself that you don't have the strength. I'm going to be with you. God is with you. Follow him completely. Oh, I want you to know that Gideon finds himself in a bad place. He's driven by fear, and he's looking at all of his surroundings, and he says, there's no way that I can make a difference. There's no way that I can get out of this bondage that I'm in. Driven by fear of the Midianites. Listen, God was calling Moses and David, and they came out of their fears. David was fearful that he was too young, too small to defeat Goliath. Moses was fearful that he was slow of speech and he had a bad reputation. Elisha was called from being a plow hand. The apostles were called from being a fisherman. They went from washing their nets and mending their nets to becoming fishers of men. Listen, God always appears to us and he uses us in the most unlikely places. Satan, on the other hand, he wants you to feel like you're unworthy, that you're unable to get past your past, and you can't work through your present. I want you to know God referred to Gideon as a mighty warrior. Now, Gideon didn't think he was mighty. He thought he was defeated. He even replied to the Lord and says, man, look what all has happened to me. If I'm so mighty, why are we in this mess? He said, I heard about all these great stories of how you took and you freed our people from Egyptian bondage, but I don't think it's going to work for us. You know, this year, our whole theme is believe. Yeah, the Bible says, what a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Why don't you start thinking about yourself like Christ thinks about you? God looks at Gideon and says, you might feel like you're defeated. You're hiding down here, thrashing wheat. You're doing it in the middle of the night. You're down here where nobody can see you. But I want you to know that you're a mighty warrior. Well, you know, we've learned some other things. We've discovered here so far that unconfessed sin leads to bondage. And anyone can be successful regardless of their status. And here's the third thing. Do not question what God has clearly revealed in Scripture. Let's go back to Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse 36. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I'm going to place out this wool fleece on the thrashing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I'm going to know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose up early the next day. He squeezed out the fleece and he wrung out the dew and there was a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. You think about this test. Some people think, well, Gideon was showing that he was having great faith. No, Gideon was really lacking faith. You know, God had already promised, I will save Israel by my hand as I have promised. God was going to use Gideon, but God was going to bring about deliverance. God was going to set his people free. You know, I want you to know something about God's promise. When God promises something, you can go to the bank on it. When God promises something, He provides whatever he promises. When God promises something, 
All the provisions are made available to fulfill that promise. Listen, trust God's word. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. He'll make that path straight for you. I want you to know that God can do a mighty work in and for you. Just keep hanging in there. Don't give up. God will bless you. You know, in Romans chapter 8, we love this verse, right? Romans 8, 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps with our weaknesses. For we don't even know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. I want you to know that prayer is most powerful when I'm weak. You see, when I'm weak, that's when I cry out to the Lord. God, he works in our weaknesses. Maybe we ought to pray. God, keep us weak so that we keep on praying. Even when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit in our weakness helps us with our weaknesses. He intercedes with groanings that are too deep for words. You see, more power is given to me when I'm weak. Why? Because the flesh is going to be defeated. In Isaiah 40, verse 29, it says, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases his power. Oh, I don't know about you, but we can learn from Gideon that our power comes from God. If he promises, he will deliver. I heard a great story that was given by H.B. London. He says, four doctors in surgical green stood before Dave and Jaina at the Huntington Memorial Hospital in Pasadena, California. He said, I stood by helplessly as a pastor, as one of the doctors spoke and said to this couple, your baby has died of sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. We want to give you a chance to hold your child before we take her. H.B. London says, I, I watched this young couple and their shoulders shook with emotion as they held their firstborn baby for the last time. My mind raced, he said, to find something to say to this shocked young couple. I, I wanted to tell them that everything was going to be okay, but that didn't seem true. Their baby was dead. All of my pastoral training and experience seemed to fail me. Dave and Jane, I began with words that, that were broken and slow. I don't know why this awful loss has come to you, but I know God loves you, as if you were the only ones in the entire world to love. If you will accept his love, if you will believe that he does love you, you'll make it. If you don't, you won't. Those were the only words that I had for them. They seemed awfully empty at the time. I choked back my own emotions while they tried valiantly to cling to their newfound faith. But something happened in that hospital room. Neither that couple nor I had words to ease back that pain or erase that pain. There was a holy presence that, that invaded that place. God joined the three of us. Just as in the Old Testament, that story of the fiery furnace, when, when God himself came to comfort Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we felt the fiery trial of suffering, but we also felt the assurance that God was caring for us. In all the pain, I remember what a precious time that we had just a few weeks earlier when we dedicated their baby in a worship service. And now this, 
I confess at times in, in my ministry, the wise from the heart have, have almost made me quit. I, I am sure you have experienced a similar anguish, but in our heart of hearts, we know that there is no satisfactory of a human answer to this problem of evil. He continues by saying, one day, after joining Focus on the Family, I, I received a letter with a picture of Dave and Jana holding a beautiful baby. They wrote, HB, you probably don't think we heard you when you encouraged us to cling to the love of God when our baby died, but we heard you clearly. So we have believed over and over that God loves us as if we were the only ones to love. We have learned to live in the love of God. We quote your words to each other often. The Lord is gracious. Notice in the picture, we're holding a beautiful new baby, God's special gift to us. We don't understand why we lost our first child. We still hurt when we think about it, but we don't question God anymore. You know, I have thought about that a lot, about their faith, and and about receiving that letter. You know, some tough situations are mysterious beyond our comprehension. Mysteries greater than our answers. Mysteries that stretch our faith. Mysteries that force us to turn to God because we can't find answers anywhere else. I want you to know that in our times of weakness, our prayers are most powerful. God hears the cry of the broken. Tears are a language that God understands. Gideon felt like he had nothing to offer. And he looked up and he says, there's nothing that I can offer. But he gave himself, and God called him a mighty warrior. Oh, I want you to know, God gives strength to the weary. And those who lack might, he increases their value. Maybe you're listening to this broadcast today, and and you're wondering, does God value me? I'm going to give you some references, and I know it may be difficult for you to write these references down, but because of time, I can't read all these references. But I want you to know, according to Judges chapter 7, verses number 2 and verses 7 through 8, that God values quality more than quantity. So many times we're feeling like we're outnumbered, we're outmaneuvered, we don't have the resources, we don't have the strength of numbers, but God will value the quality of your relationship with him. You know, one plus God is always the majority. If God is for us, who can be against us? Here are the lessons that we learn from Gideon. God values quality more than quantity. Gideon was given a, a, an army of 10,000 soldiers. God says, you know what? Uh, that's a little bit too big. Tell everybody who wants to go home to go on home. And a, and a large number of them went on home. And, and God says, you know what? The, the army is still too big. And, and God says, take the remainder and, and bring them down by the, the river's edge and, and have them get some water. And, and based upon how they take that water, will be determined who will be in the army. Well, that brought an army of 10,000 all the way down to 300. But God was going to do more with that 300 than he could ever imagine of doing with 10,000. Listen, God is not looking for those who have great abilities. He's looking for those who have great availability. That's where your quality comes from, saying, here am I, Lord, use me. There's something else that we can learn from Gideon. Number two is false humility is just as destructive as false pride. 
Gideon was looking at his life and he says, man, I'm from a lowly tribe. I have a lowly family. I'm doing a lowly profession. I'm hiding here thrashing wheat. And he has this really a false humility. He was resting on that fact that he was in a bad situation that he couldn't get out of it. He was trusting himself. I want you to know God can get you out of any mess that you're in if you will trust in him. There's one final lesson that we learned from Gideon. Always live a value system that glorifies God. What does God value? Whatever God values, that's what we should value. God values life. God values righteousness. God values us living in accordance to His Word. Always live a value system that glorifies God. You see, Gideon said, well, maybe I can do it with 10,000. But that would have brought the glory to Gideon and that army. Gideon knew it was impossible with 300 men to defeat the Midianites, but God was glorified. Listen, little as much if God is in it. Let God be glorified in every part of your life. So Lord, thanks for being with us today. As we have looked at your word and as we have been given this example of Gideon, Lord, help us to be mighty warriors who trust you completely, realizing that you're going to lead us to have victory every step of the way. Well, thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. If I can help you with anything, please give me a call at 757-421-7500, 757-421-7500. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.